Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 22, 2017. And today we're going to be reading in Bill's story, and we're going to begin on page 8, paragraph 3 near the end of that bleak November day, and we're going to continue for three paragraphs sharing on them all. Okay, today's readers are for the 12 steps, Penny L.C., the 12 traditions, Christine M., and our readers today will be, share, I'm sorry, uh, will be Gina R., and uh, we will soon to be announced on the 164. Okay, our share IDs for Tuesday, a four-digit number for February 21st, 2017, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, the share ID is 9619. And this 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 9. Six two zero. Okay, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Please, if you're not you know, if you're not muted, please style one to unmute so we'll have a nice, clear meeting recording. OA's, this is o, our sole purpose. OA's tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Now, add a vision for you, big book study. Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So at this time, I'd like to ask Penny L.C. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you very much, Janice. Good morning and good morning to everyone on the line. I'm Penny, a grateful compulsive overeater. This is the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Pat. And thank you so much, Penny L.C. Okay, I will now ask Christine M. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Christine, star one to unmute. I can do that, Janice. This is Melanie. Uh, Yes. Good morning, everyone. Sorry about that. Um, I was muted. This is Christine M., um, gracefully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. Um, Twelve traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse financial lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And thank you, Christine M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Now, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we're going to resume our study in the big book on page eight, paragraph three, near the end of that bleak November day. And I will now ask Gina R. to please begin reading. Good morning, everybody. May I be heard? You can. This is Gina R. I'm gratefully recovered in Colorado and Super excited that this is my very first time to give this type of service, and I'm humbled and honored. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife is at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course, he would have dinner, and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had charted an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? Let me set my timer. Again, this is Gina R. And as I am contemplating these three paragraphs, I am uh, taken back to uh, basically my November. Uh, which actually started in September and October of um, 2014. Yes. Um, I had been in an automobile accident um, earlier that year and had been told by a doctor that the only way I could receive treatment to be healed was to get rid of the inflammation in my body. Suggest, they suggested a diet, which I was able to do. It was an autoimmune diet. I lost some weight. And I was feeling clear-headed. I had um, just a little bit of OA in me at that time, and I had had many, many years of other 12-step programs, but I really wasn't working the steps. My Ebby, in the meantime, uh, was going in and out of relapse, and um, we were at an occasion where... Uh, some of us gather here in Colorado and we do a 12-step bonfire. It's a great thing. We 
light this big fire and you can throw your stuff in there and it's it's a fellowship time. I was clear-headed because of the diet I was on, but she was walking around with a bowl of candy, handing candy out to everybody. I was so confused. I had no idea what the heck was going on. Little did I know she was reaching her bottom and uh, she was actually on her way to the Virginia Beach Conference. And through an amazing miracle and act of her higher power, she came back on fire with recovery well in hand. She gently reached out to me and um, told me about what had happened, told me about this line, but I was doing okay on the diet. Fast forward a few months, I um, did what the diet told me to do, and that was I could reintroduce foods. And so I started reintroducing foods just the way the diet told me. And I should mention, this is the first time I had ever done a diet exactly as prescribed. And I started reintroducing those foods. And the next thing I knew, I had regained about 25 pounds. And this happened in maybe two or three months. And I started feeling like I was crazy and um, didn't want to live. My Ebby kept um, gently reaching out to me, and um, I called this phone line one day. I called in the middle of the meeting, so I had no idea how it worked, and I did that a few times. Um, that's my timer, but I'm going to take just a little more time. At the end of um, myself, when I realized that something was horribly wrong. I texted back to my Ebby and I said, okay, I think I am ready for this. I could see that fresh glow in her. She was getting this. She was doing the deal and I really wanted what she had and I realized I was finally at my bottom. And I can relate to um, what Bill is talking about here. Um, as I reintroduced those foods, just as the diet doctor told me to do it. Um, I was in, involved in the food behaviors again. I was hiding food in my car. I was planning um, escapades to get it and then uh, figuring out how to hide the evidence. And um, it, it was not pretty. She um, told me to call somebody else um, who uh, was in a different state. I had no idea why she told me to do that. I called that person. Um, they were not able to sponsor me, but they gave me very explicit instructions on how to use these meetings. And if you are a newcomer on this meeting, um, you need to realize that this is a recorded meeting and then there's a whole other unrecorded opportunity that you can um, avail yourself of that will be very helpful. And that's what I did. I was able to announce myself on that meeting and um, I got a sponsor that day, somebody from Minnesota. So I was calling somebody in California. I ended up with somebody in Minnesota, and that started my journey to recovery. May 17th of last year is the day I staked my date, and I decided that I was going to not um, entertain this disease anymore. If I had not... Um, been able to hear my Ebby 
I would not be doing this service today and I would not be arm in arm with many of you uh, making outreach calls, um, following a food plan, struggling with life, enjoying life, and just doing life. I am forever grateful for this and I'm so excited about this meeting. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Gina, uh, for your first time. You did very well. Just a reminder for those that are just joining us that we're on page eight and we're commenting on page on paragraph three, four, and uh, ending up on page nine, paragraph one. What had happened? Is there anyone now that would like to comment on those? Charles points? H. Those, Charles H. H. Marie J. Charles H. I'm going to read the names. Charles H. Um, something B. Who was it? Elaine. Elaine, yes, of course. Elaine B. Whom else? Marie oh, J. O. Marie who? J. Marie J. And I want to take one more. That's all I take, and then we have the whole meeting. Go ahead. After Kath- Marie J. Kathleen O. Kathleen o. o. Okay, we'll stop there, and then we'll continue. Charles H., it's your turn. Hi, Thank you, Janice, for your service. Charles H. will cover composed over here. Um, so what, what had happened? What had happened? Well, I believe he had a he got a direct uh, um, instruction manual from from the officer group, the mother group of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, that's what happened. And, and I want to go back to unmindful. I want to take that un out of that word unmindful. Mindful of the time because if we don't be mindful of the time, we just we just run in the show. Mindful of people's condition, carrying a message without judgment. That's what Ebby did. Ebby carried the message without judgment. He didn't judge Bill because he was just as bad as Bill. But he was introduced to a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. And it was two months in work, and we're going to hear about that on page nine. And nobody here is special than anybody else. There's no upper room in Overeaters Anonymous. Anybody can get this program. I don't care if you're five pounds or 50 million pounds. It doesn't matter. Um, so Eddie T., uh, the same man that drove his car into somebody's kitchen and asked for a cup of coffee, was carrying a message, the loving message, the most important phone call in, in 12-step history was made um, by him. After, after these three men that showed up in court and, 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 and said, can you let us have him take us into it, can we take him into our custody? And look what he did. Uh, he's following the absolute. Um, he didn't judge uh, Bill. He knew Bill was in terrible condition. Maybe his motive wasn't right. He, he didn't want to go, he didn't want to go through door number two, so he took door number one, but thank God he did it. Because if he didn't do that, I know I would die from untreated alcoholism. <laughs> and sometimes it's not even just the food. Most times it's my mind that drives me back to it. So what had happened? He had got a spiritual awakening. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't keep it, but he gave it away. <laughs> and I'm grateful and I'm mindful of the time. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, it is your turn, Elaine V. Star 
Thanks, Janice. Um, <laughs> Elaine B. <laughs> recovered in Massachusetts. You can hear me now, right? I can. A little louder, uh, maybe. Okay. Thank you so much for your service, Janice. Mm-hmm. Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts and grateful to be on the line at this new meeting. Um, the bleak November of 2012, I was back in the food because I had put down my abstinent food plan and I had put down my pursuit of working the steps because I thought I could do it myself. (laughs) I did not understand the double whammy that I had, the obsession of the body or the uh, the obsession of the mind or the allergy of the body until my Ebby came. Uh, by that time, by this time, uh, the following year, I had uh, Valentine's Day candy hidden all over the house. And I had to have stashes and supplies. And uh, my my husband <laughs> had said to me, you've taken on a new lever. And... Um, you know, I was just so in a fog that I just couldn't receive what what he was saying. I had I had to have it everywhere. I had no idea how much my disease had grown while I was in the rooms pursuing doing the steps in a in a different method that I had heard. But thank God I heard on the lines. You know, um, if your higher power isn't working for you, come up with your own deception. I mean, conception of your higher power, and also that um, if the way you've been working the steps isn't working, try it another way. And so I knew I had to go back to the steps. I knew I had to come back to OA. I had to come back. It was my only hope. And so with the desperation of a dying man, I started doing 90 meetings in 90 days thinking that would get it because I really didn't know um, how how to have access. And it is in this 164 pages. And on my 45th meeting, um, Somebody gave me the number for a vision for you. And the next day they were playing a special edition called, they called this Plain Insanity. And that person, even though I couldn't see her fresh skin glowing, I heard in her voice the recovery and the story that I needed to hear about this twisted relationship with food that I was absolutely powerless over and a design for living that if I worked it, it would give me a daily reprieve from this this disease that had so much power over me, I could not get put it down myself. And so I continued to listen with hope, with a new hope, um, that after years of trying to work the steps and doing resentment turnarounds and trying to work the tools and, you know, keeping abstinence, that I would grab hold of a new way of doing the steps, of a new approach, was introduced to the doctor's opinion for the very first time. And it was that magic combination of understanding that allergy at the bottom, that diagnosis of my disease, and learning the solution one step at a time that gave me the recovery I enjoy today. And it's there for all of us. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Elaine B. Okay, Marie J., it's your turn. Hi, this is Marie J. I'm recovered in Colorado. And uh, I just loved the line. Uh, There he was, fresh-skinned and glowing, and there was something about his eyes. And that's how I feel about my sponsor because um, I I had known my sponsor for a few years in program before either of us were in vision. And she was... um, she had had uh, relapsed, and I knew she had relapsed, 
And then one day I saw her and there was something different about her and she was fresh faced and glowing and there was something super attractive and she had found the big book. She had found the instructions and the steps in this, this line. And um, when I saw her, I just knew I had to meet with her. So we went and, and had coffee and talked and I knew she was going to be my sponsor. And what happened is it was um, it really my own denial about my program was revealed when I saw her recovery. And I realized in that moment that I had been in relapse, even though I wasn't eating off of my red list and I was still eating all clean foods, I had relapsed into uh, compulsivity and overeating and not weighing and measuring food. And, and I was in so much denial. I was gaining weight. I gained weight rapidly, 30 pounds in, in a few months. And I was in total denial and I, and I didn't know it. And I think that's a, a real key thing for me is that this disease is so sneaky and crafty that I think I'm clean because I'm not eating on my red list, but little did I know that all these compulsive behaviors were still keeping me deep in the disease. And when I saw her and her clarity and her freshness, and there was something about her eyes that she just had it. She had recovery. And that's what I wanted. And you know, in my relapse, I dropped out at nine. I dropped out at nine and I never did 10 and 11 and 12. And I just thought I could rest on my laurels because I had three years of great, great abstinence and I was just doing the deal and I had lost 80 pounds and I was totally in denial. And so this just really speaks to my need to constantly every day be in this, be in a meeting, be on the call, and to not let that craftiness of my disease speak to me through the food and tell me that, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I'm so recovered, stay in the steps. I got to stay in 10 and 11 and 12 every day or I'm going to go back in and maybe not even know it. So thanks, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Marie J. Okay, Kathleen O, it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Thank you. This is Kathleen O, recovered in California, and so grateful that we have this West Coast reasonable hour meeting. <laughs> um, so, I it, it's interesting when I read about um, Bill when, wondering if there is enough gin concealed about the house, um, and <clears throat> the bottle of gin near the head of our bed. It reminded me of. When I was growing up, I grew up with a mom and a dad and a brother who were not food addicts. They were in normal-sized bodies. And I knew from a young age that I had, you know, this obsession around food. And my mom told me um, when I got older that she used to be really concerned about me because I would hide food under the bed, under my bed. And, you know, and I knew I was different. Um, and coming into, I, I have, I've had many Ebbies. I've had, you know, I had an Ebby bring me into 12-step recovery where I did, um, you know, lots of face-to-face -face meetings that were very helpful, but very little talk about the steps or anything related to the 164 pages that we read. 
And then I had an Evie bring me to vision. And and that was amazing. And the inexplicably different that, you know, Bill saw in Evie inexplicably different is what vision was for me. To be able to come in and really understand what my problem was. My problem wasn't my food and weight. Um, and, you know, the allergy of the body, understanding the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind has just been such a gift. And the steps are amazing. You know, today I just breathe deeply as one of my, spon one of my sponsors taught me. <laughs> breathe deeply and breathe easily. And I breathe in love. I breathe in what is good. I breathe in truth. I breathe in and stay connected with my higher power. And and I don't have to live in the problem anymore. I can live in the solution. And the solution for me is these 12 steps. And they are such a miracle. And they've made such a difference in my life. I was I was lucky enough to go to the conference in Virginia Beach where it was a room. It was like it was like dying and going to heaven. There was all these people in there who, number one, we all could relate to each other, but we're all bright-eyed and excited, and there was so much wonderful energy in that room. And for those of you who can go to this next conference coming up, don't miss it. Thank you. This is Kathleen, and I pass. And thank you so much, Kathleen O. Okay, who else would like to um, begin sharing? Jen R. Amy G. Yes. Jen R, Amy G, Leah M, and Leah M, and Stephanie M. That's good for now. That's good. Stephanie M, I believe. Okay, Jen R, it's your turn. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jen R in Maryland, a recovered compulsive overeater uh, in remission from active addiction. Okay, I want to comment on the line inexplicably different. Um, Inexplicably different means that he had the complete psychic change, the spiritual awakening that the book later talks about. And on page 27, it defines what a, a, a complete psychic change actually is, if you're not familiar with um, what that means. It says in the middle of page 27, um, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. So it has to, a spiritual change has to be a vital one. And it says that it's a complete change in ideas, emotions, and attitudes, conceptions, motives, and behaviors throughout the next paragraph. So that's how we know what a vital spiritual experience is. And we can ask ourselves, have we had a vital spiritual experience? And if we haven't had that complete change in our ideas, our emotions, our attitudes, our conceptions, our motives, our behaviors, that we haven't yet had the spiritual experience that we need to have. And it tells us that we need to work harder at our spiritual development, work harder to connect to the higher power of our understanding. And it's a great way to, um, it's a great way to self-test and self, uh, uh, to self-check where we are in our development is to check those things. And um, that's all I wanted to point out. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you so much, Jen R. Okay, we have Amy G. Good morning to you, Amy. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I'd like to focus on 
the part here where it says, unmindful of his welfare, I thought of only recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we chartered an airplane, yada, yada, to complete a jig. You know, they say this disease is full of denial, delusion, defiance. And the delusion where he's going into fantasy land again, where he was just going to go have this jaunt and he was going to go recapture, you know, the days. And this is the kind of thinking that the mental obsession does to us, that we can go into some sort of fantasy or delusion that somehow it might be different or, you know, and, and he and, and the few sentences earlier talking about, you know, looking for a bottle behind the bed or whether or not he can keep it there. And it, it just reminds me so much of, of what it's talking about in the beginning chapter of Vision for You. It says here, for most folks, most normal folks, drinking means conveniality, companionship, and colorful imagination. It means release from care, boredom, and worry. It is joyous intimacy with friends and a feeling that life is good. But not so with us in those last days of heavy drinking. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could we recapture the great memories of the past, which is what he's deluding himself into thinking that he can do with Evie because he's hoping that he can sit down and drink with him. There's an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. So even before Bill sees Evie, he's hoping to recapture, you know, days gone by of what it was like in the height of his drinking when things were, quote, good. He's already forgetting five sentences ago, five minutes ago, of the torture he was thinking about of just being able to keep a bottle underneath his bed and hide it from his wife. And this is what the thinking does. This is what the mental obsession does. I can totally relate to it. I remember, like others have been talking about, waiting till people could leave in my apartment so that I could keep the binge foods under my bed because I couldn't wait to get them out with my harlequin romance and binge and puke my brains out. And some way thinking that, deluding myself into thinking that this was going to be great. You know, that's what this disease does to us. But we can't, we cannot use with this mental obsession. I could not think myself through. I could not think myself clearly. And I just want to talk about the hope of seeing someone recovered. When he finally did see Evie, think about the shock. He was sober. He had something that was attracting to Bill that he was sober. And that look in the eyes that other people are talking about. We have the ability here when we carry a message of depth and weight to transform and change lives. We have, an, we have a message that we can carry in these first 164 pages that have the ability to transform lives. And others have been sharing about it, how other people have been able to carry a message and transform those lives, bring us back to life. I've had those Ebbies in my life, and I will be forever grateful. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Amy G. It's your turn. Good morning, Leah M. Thanks so much, Janice, for your service. The door opened, and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different what had happened. You know, it's very exciting, these uh, paragraphs this morning, retelling um, the history. You know, this is where the identification process is so important, and this is what makes, you know, 12-step rooms so unique because, uh, you know, this friend, Ebby, arrives on Bill's doorstep one day with a message of hope for Bill, who was, of course, currently hungover and floundering in the throes of his own alcoholism. Nevertheless, you know, Bill has been quite beaten to a pulp at this point, and his ears, and maybe even his soul, is ready to hear, you know, what Ebby has to say. And, you know, why is it that Ebby can communicate with Bill in areas that not even Dr. William Silkworth, our medical saint, could touch. 
And that's, again, the identification. You know, the text says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. You know, Bill knew Ebby, and he knew he was a hopeless case, just like Bill. And he knew Ebby was a candidate for being locked up in an asylum. Yet, you know, here stands Ebby, inexplicably different. Uh, he's sober and he's free. And those powers of communication were such that Ebby can convince Bill within minutes that he had been released from his drinking compulsion. Again, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. Here's one drunk about to talk to another drunk. He's going to carry a message of depth and weight, and that's our power. We can be the catalyst where, you know, uh, God, you know, God uh, helps us help others. You know, I know that was the case for me. You know, when I crawled in, uh, tombstones into my, in my eyes into uh, a lockup facility, I, I had no hope. I had no hope that anything would ever be different. And yet I sat across the table from someone in whom the problem had been solved, and I left that table with something I came in without. And that was hope. Whether, you know, newcomers like it or not, what we have to offer when we talk to a newcomer is that we are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives as a result of these 12 steps. That's exactly uh, what Ebby is going to do. He's going to be living proof to Bill that some power is now working in his life. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Leah M. Okay, good morning to you. Stephanie N. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Um, I was just focusing on the part where he had Jen hidden behind his bed and thinking of when I first learned about OA, I had been at a silent retreat and we only each had about 20 minutes to talk with the spiritual director. And, and in that 20 minutes, this person asked me, do you have an eating disorder? I think you would really benefit from a 12-step program. And I felt like I had been completely outed and so offended. I thought, what? That's not what I was talking about at all. And I had um, brought with me some little treats and um, after I talked to him, I needed to go to our next session, and, and I thought, well, I'm just going to run back and grab one. I think we lost you, Stephanie. Um, perhaps you can probably call back in, um, hopefully. Okay, is there anyone else? Sorry, sorry, oh, I, Good. sorry. Good. I went back to get one more, and then... Just that that cycle of needing one more and one more and and so when I came home from that retreat, I asked my husband. I said, "He, this man told me the weirdest thing." And and my husband said, "You know, whatever you need to do, whatever you will need to do." And so I checked out a meeting, and I'm I'm so grateful that I did. But I I just feel like that I wasn't aware of my own behavior, um, and that a stranger could see it. That and and it's just so funny how some people can see what we can't see for ourselves. Um, this stranger could see that I had a problem that I didn't even know that I had. And um, and I didn't see all of those warnings. I didn't see having those little treats 
tucked away in my room that I kept having to go back for and go back for as a warning sign. I didn't know. And I had things scrolled around the house and I, um, that I didn't want to share with my children or my husband. And um, anyways, um, thank you so much. And, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Stephanie. And okay, who else would like to uh, comment on page eight, paragraph three, Car- paragraph four, Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Did I hear Paula? Paula? No. Okay. Who else? Paula D. Fairy KB. I did hear Paula D. I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I got Carlisa C. Paula D. Sherry KB. Is it Sherry KB? Yes. Okay. Sherry. I'm going to get used to these names. Sherry KB. And give me one more. Penny LC. And Penny LC. Okay, let's go with that for now. Calissa C., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you for your service. I hope you can hear me okay. I can. Perfect. Um, thank you for your double service, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I am I am a grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive eater today, and I'm so grateful to be uh, reading about Bill, because as I read this, Bill Bill is is displaying, he, he's so intentional with his writing, because he's taking a lot of time to go through his thought process, and he's exhibiting such, um, you know, he's, he's telling on himself. He cares little about his friend's present state of sobriety. He is looking forward to having his drinking buddy where who who he can drink uh, slash for me compulsively eat with abandon openly as he puts it he care, he care he just sees him as an oasis in in his hopeless world now mind you he's he's in he's in the middle of a drunk because I think on page thirteen the way I read the text he drinks again <laughs> I, I, the way I read it I'm sure I'll be corrected if other people think other things he drinks again after this. Um, which brings me to the thought that this, this, his spiritual awakening, um, a lot like mine, I believe, I, I can only speak for myself. Yes, I had an, uh, a big, rich one that turned me into the 12 steps. But what I'm finding is day by day, I'm having new awakenings, new experiences, fresh blessings. And, and at first, that used, I used to try to say, well, you know, what is, what's going on here? But now... As I live um, in, in 10, 11, and 12 and really ha- uh, come to terms with my character defects never fully being removed, that I am, you know, as uh, self-righteous and selfish and, and self-pitying and um, whatever else I am, and, and to the extent every day I, I will be dealt with. These things will come to light, my judgmentalness, and um, I get an opportunity today to work them through. Um, and I'm just, I am reading with great attention <laughs> as we go forth and appreciating all the shares. Thank you. And thank you, Calissa C. Hey, Paula D., please, it's your turn. And thank you, Janice. Can I be heard? You can. Well, I thank you again, then. I thank you for your service today, and I am so grateful to be here. And this would be Paula D., currently in Florida, recovered by and with the grace of God. I would like to just take a step here 
Drinkers are like that. Drinkers are like that. Do you know what drinkers are like? You know, selfish. It wasn't you I was interested in. I'll show up. Oh, oh, you mean you don't call first? You don't? No, I'm just going to show up. Or else I'll tell you I'll be there. And I won't be there. Drinkers are like that. A drink, a drug, a bite, honey. They're the symptom. The selfishness, the root. It says, now look at what happened. So he thought he knew what he was going to expect. The door opened. Something else opened. And he stood there. Fresh skin and glowing. Oh, wait a minute. Drinkers aren't like that. Nar is a compulsive eater after a binge. Fresh skin and glowing. Sweetheart, there ain't enough makeup. There was something about his eyes. See, the eyes don't lie. They're the windows to the soul. They don't lie. They can try. And you know how you'll know they'll put their eyes downcast and there they're the soul too. He was inexplicably different. Wow. Wait a minute. What had happened? May I go to 164, that beloved paragraph that we always end with? Don't you love it? But obviously, you cannot trip, transmit something you haven't got. Honey, this guy has got it. And he's transmitting it. Can you see? And even in that drunken haze, or a haze after a binge, or a drug, whatever, it came through. It came through. This is a paragraph that shows something, feels something, says something. But the part that I want to just look at, the door opened. The door opened more than the physical realm, darling. I thank you for allowing me this time to share and what I could share on. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. And thank you, Paula D. Okay, it is Sherry KB. It's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Can I be heard? You can. Good morning, everybody. Isn't it great we're on this meeting? Yippee! Um, so what I think about it in November is, of course, it's around Thanksgiving, and I remember being told Thanksgiving was only one day, so I thought I could bend for one day and then stop and if you're a compulsive reader like me, the games have just started. So I remember hiding food all over the house. I remember waiting for my husband to go to bed. I would hide food in my trunk uh, of the car and wait till he went to sleep, and then I'd he'd go to sleep and I'd have a party while he was asleep. Um, I remember planning my next binge, and then. I have, I have an Ebby, too, and just want to say you don't have to have an Ebby because Ebbies come in all shapes and forms and meetings and phone bridges and all that. But I happen to have an Ebby who used to be who used to binge with me, and uh, we used to try to diet together, and we were binge buddies and diet buddies. And, you know, the word jag, I, I love looking up. By the way, um, there is a big book dictionary that's great so that when you look up these words, you can understand and relate more, identify in more. Uh, a jag is basically a spree, uh, a binge is for me. And, you know, I was used to binging with this friend of mine, and we end up going on this trip, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And, you know, I was waiting to go to restaurants and all that stuff, and when I sat down, we always split everything, you know, desserts, everything, you name it, and she didn't want any of it. 
And I was like, you know, what's going on with you? And she goes, well, I just, you know, I'm abstinent, and I'm, I'm working the steps. And I'm like, what? And so here she was. She was my Ebby. And um, she did have that bright, clean look on her face. She, she looked healthy. She was glowing. And um, she said she was working the steps like she'd never had before. And so and she told me about it. And then she told me about this meeting. And then I found some Ebbies on the phone bridge. And I'm so grateful because the difference is, is there have been times in my life that I was abstinent only. So I had the physical craving. The food was down but the mental obsession was still running the show. And until I got into these steps and started working these steps and, and relying on a power greater than myself, that's what turned this all around. And that I passed. Thank you. And thank you so much, Sherry KB. Okay, it's your turn, Penny L.C. Excuse me, Janice, did you call Penny? I did. Okay, thank you. I was just unmuting. This is Penny L.C. from the state of Washington, compulsive overeater, and grateful to be on this call today. Um, I wanted to comment on the fact that um, here Ebby had come. He'd been brought to the Oxford group by a couple of members there, and he'd heard about a solution. It had helped him get sober. And he also knew that part of that Oxford, those tenants, was to pass it on to be of service. And so he decided, well, okay, it's my turn to be of service, and I'm going to reach out to my good friend who, you know, he he knew they'd been drinking buddies, and he assumed that, that Bill was still, you know, in the disease. Um, and so he approached, and he was sober. And, you know, it's interesting because it doesn't go into detail, but somehow Bill knew he was sober. And that's, you know, that's in italicized um, writing because it's so important to know Two months sober, and he's really, Ebby is willing to um, support his friend and reach out to his friend. Um, and I, um, you know, I can remember knowing that my disease was, I'd been in and out of, out of uh, abstinence um, with stretches of recovery, but then um, my disease would, I would succumb once again. And I, I could tell it was progressing. I was getting to a critical level where all I could think about was when I was in the food, that was 24-7, or I was restricting with a diet. It was just one or the other, in and out, in and out, just like Bill's been in and out, trying to be away from the alcohol but then being drawn back to it because not having a power greater than himself, you know, it, it would never work otherwise with on that premise. So... For me, um, I knew I needed more, and I was willing to start looking and found a meeting that had what I wanted, that had fellows on that meeting that had long-term recovery, and they had peace and serenity in their voices. And I can imagine now, Abby was only two months sober, but nonetheless, he came to Bill, and Bill could see a difference. And Bill had to wonder about that difference and wonder. You know, there must, have been, there must have been a thought in the back of his mind. What did he have that I've not found yet? And, and here he had learned about the problem from Dr. Silkworth. He knew about the, 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 the uh, unmanageability of his life. He, he understood step one with the powerlessness because of the, 
because of the allergy and the obsession. And now here was Ebby, and Ebby was bringing him step two with a religious idea and also a practical program that worked, the Oxford Tenants. And so now he was being presented. He knew the, the pieces of the puzzle that he could put together later for step one, two, and three. And, and the rest of it is history, so to speak. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Penny LC. Okay, I think we have time for one more. Laura W. Laura W. Mm-hmm. Oh, Laura, good morning. Please go ahead. Thanks so much. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Laura W., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Anorexic in South Jersey, and thank you for this 10 o'clock meeting. Um, you know, I love the, um, the sentence. It's very short. She just says, I wonder how he had escaped and when I really think about it, if I need to escape from something, I'm not escaping from anything good. I'm escaping from utter and sheer hell. And, and Bill knows that, you know, that he needs to escape from this life, that it's not just about the drinking, that, that it's the entire psychic change that needs to, be, that needs to happen. And um, he, he thinks back about the, the fun, good old times when alcohol really wasn't destroying his life because he goes from saying i have arrived to you know to being in this utter hell in a few in just a few pages so you know he won he's he's interested he's wondering what has happened to ebby you know what where has the change occurred occurred and that's and as a recovered compulsive eater that's how i try to live i mean i try to live as an example of this big book Uh, i'm not always you know fresh skinned and glowing but but people have seen that, you know, this is a metamorphosis. I'm not the same person that I was 12 years ago. Um, you know, there's either the discipline of my addiction, which was really, really structured and disciplined, or there's the discipline of God. There's no other option. And, and there's a lot of foreshadowing here for Bill. Um, you know, rumor has it that he's been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wonder how he escaped. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, of, of Bill thinking back to how how his friend used to be and maybe maybe he can be that way so we just you know ebby doesn't come and tell bill what he needs to do he just comes and and shows him that he's an example of what these 12 steps or the tenants at that time um have have done for him and you know somebody on this line always says that recovery is the art of remaining undisturbed a recovery is not about staying abstinent for me. That has to come first. The food has to be clean and down. Recovery is about acting in a sane and, and loving and kind manner when something comes that normally in the past would, would throw me for a loop. And I've only experienced God in my life once my resistance has stopped. And my resistance has stopped one day at a time. It's one day at a time I do this with you guys over and over again because I'm closer to my higher power and and I feel at peace. And the food is, it's not even an issue. It's new, I'm, I'm in neutrality when it comes to food and exercise and anorexia and, and all that, those binge foods and that used to um, drive, me, drive me to the fridge. So I'm so grateful for this, and I, and I am so grateful for this meeting. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. And thank you so much, Laura W. I have one minute with one this idea. Is, this uh, is Sharon H. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to have you read the um, uh, 164 when we're ready, okay? Perfect. Okay, thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh-huh. I just want to say one thing before we close. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. Well, he was in deep thought, wasn't he? But, you know, this is not a coincidence that Ebby was his first sponsor. Well, I say the second one, because the first one shows me the power of a God in his life. That's not a coincidence that that phone rang. How many times did I want to eat something? The phone rang, and it was somebody on a vision for, not a vision for you, but other meetings. And, uh, oh, boy, you know, that's the power of God, whom I choose to call my higher power. Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close the reading, this meeting with the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Sharon H., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be... Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Janice. This is Sharon H. in Colorado, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.